tonight. We've been talking about the power of the gospel. And um, let's read together. We're going to start off. Let's get, jump right in here into Romans chapter 8. Would you stand with me? We're going to read the, the word of God together in Romans chapter 8. We're going to read the first four voice, verses of uh, Romans chapter 8. I'm going to jump right in here to it. It says this amazing passage. I've talked to you before about a couple of weeks ago about the, um, some of the commentators have said that, you know, if the, if the Bible could be compared to a, 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 a jeweled ring, that, that Romans 8 would be the, the, the shiniest, most beautiful facet uh, on the biggest stone in the ring. This is just incredible stuff, uh, amazing stuff, especially compared to what the history of God's people had been when they were under the law. Uh, but uh, through Christ, we are no longer under the law, but under grace uh, and the Spirit. So anyway, let's read together. Would, would you uh, just follow along with me in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you would, uh, as Paul prayed for the Ephesians, that you would give us your spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you better. Lord, we ask, uh, Lord, we know that um, your word can't be understood uh, just by our own, um, our own uh, ability, by our own wisdom, our own intellect. But, Father, we need something more. We need the work of your Spirit in us to bring it to life in us. We need not just knowledge, but we need the, how practically we're supposed to work and act on, on your Word. And so, Father, we pray for that ability this morning. We pray for your Spirit to come and fill this room, fill this place, Lord, uh, in, in everyone, every believer. Lord, open our ears to hear, uh, open our minds to understand, we pray. It's in Jesus' great name we ask Amen. Would you be seated, please? All right, so I, let's just go through the, uh, the, the, the quick, the skinny here, an outline here of, of what, what, the verse, what these verses mean. First, it says that those of us who are in Christ Jesus are no longer under any condemnation. And it says, actually, at the end of these verses, it says, what, is under, what has been condemned? Sin was condemned, and we are not under condemnation because God condemned sin instead of us because of the punishment that he carried out for our sin on Jesus Christ. So, yeah, sin is under condemnation, and we are released from condemnation. We're not any longer under condemnation because in verse 2 it says, the power or the law of the Spirit refers to the reigning power of the Spirit overcame the power and sin and death that was over me. So when you and I were lost, we were under the influence and the power of sin and death at work in our lives, yes? But now, because of what Jesus Christ has done, the Spirit, and notice all three members of the Trinity involved here in verses 1 through, 1 through 4, the, the power of the Spirit overcame the power of sin in my life, in your life, if we were in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen or hallelujah or something, please. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? In verse 3, God condemned sin in sinful man. We talked this, about this a little bit last week, but how is it? It says that God condemned sin in sinful man. He's talking about how God sent Jesus in the likeness of sinful flesh, saying that he wasn't exactly, uh, he was exactly like sinful flesh, except for the point that he was not sinful, right? Jesus was innocent. And so we talked last week, what sin was it that God condemned when Jesus was innocent? And we talked about it last week, whose sin was condemned in Jesus Christ? It was mine and your sin, and the punishment that your sin and my sin 
uh, all of it was, was absorbed there by Jesus Christ when God condemned sin in, in, in him. It was our sin there that Jesus suffered through. It's like 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made him, meaning Jesus Christ, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. A beautiful verse, a beautiful phrase. And so we have this whole idea of Christianity is so very different from any other religion. It says this, it says that God worked on behalf of people and instead of people having to work to attain uh, some, some status with God to, to perform and to make sacrifice to him or to better their lives or themselves somehow, he said the gospel is so different. It says that God did for people what people could not do for themselves. Amen? Because he took the punishment for our sin on himself. Just amazing, incredible stuff. There's nothing, no other truth like it. There's nothing else like it in the world. The God himself, uh, the innocent one became uh, counted guilty on our behalf. The innocent one gave his life for, uh, for the, did I say that right? The innocent one gave his life for us who were guilty. Uh, just incredible th- stuff. It talks very strongly about not only the, the, the love of God, speaks very strongly about the love of God for us, that he would be willing to go through uh, the torture and, and being killed uh, there in, in a horrific manner. Uh, but it also talks about his justice because God would not be just if he left our sins unpunished, right? They had to be punished. Uh, they had to be punished or God would be unjust. And he, uh, he did that and through one act. He, he upheld his justice and upheld his love and his grace toward us on the cross of Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, he took the punishment of my sin and your sin once and for all so that we should never bear it. And I love the song that we just sang in the, that third verse that uh, we good Baptists often miss, right? Uh, my sin, oh, the bliss of the glorious thought, my sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Isn't that incredible? So listen, so you and I as believers no longer have to walk with the guilt of our sin on our shoulders. We don't carry that any longer because finally and completely and totally Jesus Christ has absorbed the punishment for our sin. Amen? And we're not under it anymore. We don't bear the weight of our sin on our shoulders anymore. And so we are relieved of our sin and our guilt and our shame. And God did what could not be done that we could not do ourselves. Amen? Because we could not, even though, even if I live the rest of my life now uh, perfectly before God, I still can't get rid of that first chapter. Even if the rest of my life was a perfect example of, of purity and holiness, I still can't get through chapter one where I was willfully sinning and willfully walking away from God and, and ignoring him and all of us were born in sin and no matter what, we could never attain the holiness and the righteousness that God required. And whenever the law came, in, in Romans chapter six, Paul says something very interesting. He said, the law came and instead of, instead of helping me to become more righteous, it actually inflamed in me this desire to break the law, <laughs> right? Uh, it's like, have you ever noticed, have you ever put a dog on a chain and you like you put it on a stake? Have you ever noticed where the ground will be wore down after some time, where there will be no grass? It's it's, it's at, at the edges, isn't it? That dog will take every ounce of chain that you've given him, and that's the same kind of work in us. We're just that rebellious. We'll take every inch, and, and, and we're just that rebellious in, 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 in that we'll, we'll take every inch that God will give us and, and try to push it even further. That's the rebellious nature of our sinful flesh that somehow dogs have too. I don't really understand it, but anyway. All right, so yeah, my sin and your sin. We, if you are in Jesus Christ, you don't bear that sin any longer. 
Hallelujah. Amen. That, that's good stuff. Now let me tell you before we move on, if you're not to the point that you've come to have faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done, you still bear your sin. The problem with this is you cannot bear it. You can't bear the punishment yourself. True? Because what it costs you is death. The wages of sin is death, Paul would write. The wages of sin is death. And what we earn, what we get for our life of sinfulness is that we get death. That's the reward or the wages. We get death. We can't do it ourselves. We can't, we can't bear the punishment of sin ourselves. It had to be done by someone else. It had to be done. And the Old Testament was pointing over and over again as people would make sacrifices by the book of Leviticus and the other teachings of the Old Testament. They would come and they would take and they would, they would sometimes they would do all kinds of different sacrifices. But one of them, they would bring a lamb and they would place their hands on, on the head of the lamb. And the idea was is that there was a passing of their guilt onto this innocent, spotless animal. And then that animal would be sacrificed for their sin. And they would have to make that, that's called atonement. They would have to make atonement for their sin over and over and over again. And you can imagine what that was like year after year after year of having to come and make atonement. And there was the shedding of blood of an innocent animal because of their wickedness and their evil, uh, evil doings and because they couldn't attain and uphold the law, right? Well, once and for all, who John the Baptist referred to as the Lamb of God, he took away all of our sin, all of us who have come to have faith in Jesus Christ, he has taken away and atoned for all of our sin once and for all. And there is no sacrifice necessary at this point. His one atonement, his one sacrifice for all, completely and totally fulfilled uh, the righteous requirements that God demanded that there be punishment for our sin. But listen, if you are at the place where you've never trusted Jesus Christ for your sin, you are still under condemnation. These words that those who are in Christ Jesus are no longer under condemnation are just for those people who are in Christ Jesus. All the rest of the world, everyone else in the world, is still under condemnation for their sin. And Christian, this is news that you and I need to be carried and we need to be concerned for the people around us. Amen? They're still under condemnation. The guilt that you no longer carry, they still have. The shame that you have over the first chapter or two or three or four of your life, they still carry that guilt. And listen, and that is, that, this is where the gospel speaks so very clearly to those people is there is release from your sin because Jesus Christ paid the price that you couldn't do yourself. Amen? Very clearly, very simply, uh, that's the gospel right there, isn't it? But I want to talk about this. Uh, I want to talk to you. I know I've been preaching on these three verses here for about a month, but uh, I want to talk to you just a little bit more about it. And then uh, actually uh, next week we're, we're going to have uh, Mike and Cheryl Schutz will be with us. They're missionaries in Lesotho, South Africa. Uh, well, we still claim them as our missionaries. They've been gone for a long time now, but uh, I think they still let us claim them. Uh, anyway, Mike and Cheryl Schutz will be here. Mike's just a wonderful speaker too. Uh, anyway, it'll be a good time. Mike's always really funny, and uh, we'll be, get to catch up with him a little bit. So that'll be next week. And then the week after that, uh, we're going to finish out. We're going to talk about what verse 4 means when it says the, in order that the light, righteous requirements of the law are met in us, um, are met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. But today, I want to talk to you. I'm talking real fast today. I don't know why. I'm sorry. There's no reason to rush, is there? In verse 3, it says that God 
condemned sin and sinful flesh, right? And I want to talk to you about that, what, what that word means. When you and I hear on the news, when you hear that someone has condemned something, like you hear a political figure, you hear that President Obama or someone has, has condemned some terrorist act, what does it mean? It means that they've, they've criticized it. They've said that this is bad, right? Whatever happened, this was a bad thing, right? Is that what it means here, that, uh, that, that God has condemned sin in sinful man? Um, I, I, I want to I show you that it doesn't. Um, look with me in verse 3. It says this, for what, the law, I'm sorry, for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son. All right, so let me, let me pause there for just a moment. What, is, what, the, what this passage is saying is that God did something greater or other than what the law did. The law criticized sin, Right? The law said, this is good and this is sinful. Don't do these things because these things are bad. And so the law condemned in the sense of when we say condemned and criticizing it, the law was already saying sin is bad, right? And so God was doing something more here than just saying sin is bad. He did something greater than just saying uh, sin is bad or condemning it just by words. Um, It was something more than that. And what he means is that is that in Jesus' flesh, in his suffering and his dying body there on the cross, God executed a final sentence and judgment of condemnation of sin for everybody who is in Christ Jesus. Um, It means when God condemns sins, it means that, that God found sin guilty and he sentenced it to be finally and fully punished and he carried out the penalty of suffering through the death and the suffering of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. So when it says that he condemned it, it means another, there's actually a, maybe another word that we could use that maybe we can't say here in church with children present, but he condemned sin, meaning he, he punished it and sentenced it completely and fully to the point that it was sentenced to death. And of course, the death was then, it was ab, ab, actually transferred to the death of Jesus Christ, and very odd statement that Paul uses in Corinthians, but it says, he became sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God, all right? And so here's the deal, is that the death of Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus Christ is what's taken away my condemnation and your condemnation. And so when we read here in in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, where it says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, the condemnation was taken away because it's already been carried out on Jesus Christ. And you and I aren't under condemnation anymore because through his suffering and torture and death on the Christ, the sentencing and the punishment and the ultimate condemnation of sin has been carried out in him. And now, now, only now, are you and I no longer under any condemnation. Uh, but here's the really, also the good news. If, if my sin was sentenced and punishment, punished and ultimately condemned to death, if that's what it was, then here's the great thing is that I will not be punished for it and you will not be punished for it again. Amen? You and I are free from that and that's why it says that we are no longer under condemnation. If Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for our sin, we carry that punishment, we carry that condemnation no more. Now, here's, here's the thing. You and I get confused, and sometimes we, come to the, we, we think that we'll come to Christ uh, when we very first become Christians, and we think that, okay, his, his, his punishment and his sacrifice for me was good for me up to that point in my life, and then after then, it's up to me. Listen, folks, it's not true. 
It's, it's not true that it's still up to me to carry out the perfection in my life. We're never going to attain perfection in this life. Not that you could do it anyway, right? Not that I could do it anyway. But we'll never attain perfection in our life. And you and I will always be looking back at Jesus Christ and saying it was because of him that I've been made righteous, not by anything I've done myself. Amen? And listen, and as you walk and you grow closer to God, I heard someone say it this week. Uh, actually, Scott Auth, we were talking the other day. But he was saying this. He was uh, someone that he'd heard before say um, that the closer I get to God, the more I realize how very, uh, the, the, the more I realize how very far I am from him. True. As you and I grow in believers, we begin to see how very sinful we are. And as we walked it with him and we, we begin to see his perfect holiness and his perfect life and his absolute pure purity and, and his righteousness, and we, then we begin to look at our lives and we begin to see, wow, I'm so distant from him. I had no idea. You know, I came to Christ when I was 15 years old, and can I tell you, I'm more convinced today that I needed a Savior than I even was then when I came to the point of conversion. Are, are you with me? You've, is that true in your life too? That I am more convinced today that I needed him than I was when I came to conversion, because now I begin to see, you know, I thought the gap was like this. I, I didn't know, it, you know, it's like it's like that. I, I didn't know how very far I was from him and how very distant I was from him. But now I'm, I'm starting to get it. But, of course, by next year I'll think I was a fool, you know, back, back in these days. But anyway, I want to talk to you about the rest of the time about sin. Um, I was reading uh, a little bit. A guy was uh, in, in my devotional was talking about, you know, oftentimes from the Holy Spirit we're asking for a couple of things, right? From the Holy Spirit you and I are asking for, usually we're asking for, for direction and we're asking for power to live out the Christian walk. But very seldom do we ask for the holiness. Very seldom do we ask for greater sanctification. It's like it's something that's kind of been lost on us as, as, as these last couple of generations. But, um, but, um, but, you know, those of us who have come to Christ and we've seen what's happened to Jesus Christ on the cross, and who, who of you saw the movie The Passion of the Christ that Mel Gibson directed? You remember that horrible, those horrible scenes of when Christ was tortured and, and there was absolute torture on his body. Was He was mocked and beaten and flogged and ultimately uh, nailed uh, to a cross. <clears throat> and I look at that, and you look at that, and I don't remember what you thought, but I remember thinking, you know, how horrible it was. You could, I don't know about you, but it, I could hardly look at the screen. There were times that I had to look away because it was so, the, 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 the horrific nature of the torture of Christ is more than I could take in, you know. And here's the realization, of course, is that he took that punishment for you and me. He didn't deserve to die that way. He was innocent. He's the only one who's, who's completely fulfilled the, all the requirements of law. He's the only one, and he deserved none of that, and you and I deserved it all. Yeah? And so here we go. Are you ready? So here's the transition. How can you and I continue to walk on sin when we've seen its terrible cost? How can you and I tolerate sin to continue to exist in our bodies and, and not be moved by this fact that he died for my sin? How can I continue to walk in it? In 1 John, John, uh, again, this is where we were just a few passages down from what I read during, our, uh, during the announcements. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, John said something very similar to what I just said. He said, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning 
because he has been born of God. I remember when I was reading through John, uh, 1 John, and I struggled through 1 John in, in like great most of my college life. Um, I hated that book. Uh, but anyway, because uh, it says, so, so, you know, be holy as I am holy and things like this, that you can't go on sinning if you're really a believer. Um, and, and I remember thinking, wow, I sure do keep on sinning for being a believer. And uh, I'm just struggling through that book. And, and I don't know how this passage hits you if you're familiar with it, if you've been taught about this, about this passage. But let me read it to you again. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. Let me tell you what this, what, what this means is that once the point that I've actually been converted and the Holy Spirit is now indwelling me, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the, the Holy Spirit is now indwelling me, is what the, the Bible says is what happens when we're converted. <clears throat> From that point forward, I cannot continue in sin. I can't do it. I can't, if I'm really a believer, if I've actually really, really put my hope in Jesus Christ and I've really, there's been a change in me and there's been conversion in me, I can no longer continue in sin. Okay, how are you doing with that? Anyone still have any struggle with sin? Yeah, yeah, me too. Weird, huh? Well, here's the deal, is that the, the Bible also refers to several passages where it says is that we struggle with sin. And Paul would write, you, you work out, the, you continue to work out your salvation through fear and trembling. And Paul would also write things about, you run the race, or you work, and you discipline yourself, and you beat your body like a boxer, like a fighter does. And he keeps referring to all these things that talk about this struggle that's going on. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4 says that, in your struggle against sin. So here's the deal, is that John is writing here and says, uh, no one who, who is born of God will continue to sin. And yet in all of, of Paul's writings and in Hebrews' writings, they, they keep talking about it. And, and in Romans chapter 7, the entire chapter basically is saying, the things I don't want to do, I keep doing. And the things I don't want to do, those I, I, I'm not doing. And I don't know what's wrong with me. What's, you know, and it basically leads us to, to Romans chapter 8. But, but here's the deal. The Bible is wrought, the New Testament is wrought with these ideas of us continuing to struggle with sin. So which is it? Can we believe, be believers and continue and struggle with sin or not? And the answer is yes. Uh, but anyway, so here we go. What this means in 1 John, and J John writes this, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because... God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God means this. Those of us who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, we cannot continue to live a lifestyle of sin, right? A lifestyle that someone could look at and say, this is a sinful lifestyle is incompatible with someone who is a believer, right? Now, does it say that we'll never sin again? That's not John's intent. John's intent does not, is not that we will never struggle with sin again. John's intent is to say that your life will no longer be characterized by your following your sinful nature, but your life will be characterized by following the Holy Spirit in goodness and, and righteousness. Yeah? And, you know, we look at it, and, and let me just put this in very practical terms. How can we look at the punishment of Jesus Christ and continue um, unmoved, and, and act like his sacrifice meant nothing to us. As believers, these two ideas are completely incompatible. Um, the Bible talks several times about, um, about things that are going to be true in the life of believer, and some of these are actually observable. If you're continuing in sin, and what I mean is if your life is characteristic of following in sin, 
then let me tell you what the scripture says. It says, you've not been converted. Is that plain enough to say? You've, you, there's not been that transformation has not happened in you yet. Right? But it says, but when we struggle with sin, when we don't accept it and we say, Lord, I don't want this in my life and would you please move in me and work in me and I want to struggle with you in this, about this sin. When there's that struggle present that we're not accepting sin in our life and we're not leading a lifestyle of sin, then that says that's a person who's probably been converted. Yeah. There's a difference, eh? There's a difference. And let me tell you, one of the main differences is this is repentance. If you see, when we see someone who is struggling with sin and they're unrepentant about it, in other words, there is no sorrow about it. They're not trying to seek the Lord to get over it. They're not asking for the Lord's help and, and, and his power uh, to get over it. They just want to continue in it. That person's probably not a believer. And listen, I, I want to be real plain with you today because I want you to be certain of your salvation, right? I want you to be certain of your salvation. You cannot continue in sin unrepentantly and be a believer. The, the, the two ideas are completely incompatible. Um, there's, um, we can't continue a lifestyle of sin, but not only that, in Romans chapter 6 is some, some pretty interesting statements. Um, Paul's talking about the gospel, and there were some people there in Rome apparently who were arguing with Paul and saying, what are you saying? People can just you know, get, get forgiveness for their sins for nothing, just for faith? And basically Paul says, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Just by believing in Jesus Christ and what he's done, there is no other way. Uh, and so they were saying things like, well, if, any, if you would do that, then people just want to keep on sinning so that God's grace would be, you know, God could show just how incredibly gracious he is that he would save not just a sinner, but, you know, a sinner. Uh, and, uh, and Paul writes uh, in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? He's actually using some of the arguments of the people who are teaching against what Paul's been teaching, uh, that salvation comes through faith. And so they've been saying, well, maybe I should just keep on sinning then. It just shows God how gracious God is if he, if he still saved me. Uh, and so he says, what shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And he says, by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? He says here, basically, sin is what was killing us, right? Sin is what we, we, where we were before Jesus Christ came into our lives and found us, and it did kill Jesus Christ, right? How can we live in it anymore is his argument. And as a believer, I want to live a life that honors Jesus' sacrifice. I don't want to live a life that, uh, that, uh, that counts as though his sacrifice didn't matter um, because he died to set me free from that, and I don't want to continue in sin anymore as a believer amen and then in romans chapter 6 verses 15 through 18 he there's another um there's another argument where someone was saying well you know what if i'm under grace and i don't have to fulfill the law then it doesn't matter how i live i can live any way i want because i'm just under god's grace and i can do and live any way that i want is was the arguments that uh, that was apparently wedged against waged against paul uh, but So anyway, in verse 15, he does the similar things. He, he tells them what their argument is and tells them why they're wrong. In verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Okay, so what's he saying here? If you offer yourselves to sin, you will become sin's slave. Right. 
you will become sin's slave. You will answer to them. You'll be fulfilling the law, the, the, the will of sin in your life. Uh, to you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to be- death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. In other words, they came to believe in the gospel. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So Paul, in this part, he's saying, we can't continue in sin because whatever you obey, whether you obey the sin and the sinful nature, you will be slaves to that nature. Or you begin to obey righteousness and you become slaves to righteousness and obedience. But whatever you're doing, you're going to obey it and you will be its slave. And here's the incredible thing, of course, is that Jesus broke sin's claim on my life and he broke sin's claim on your life and we're never to be walk never, we're never to be locked under its yoke again amen amen we've been set free how can we any longer walk under that yoke how can we any longer put that that sinful nature on our shoulders and want to carry that around anymore when we've been we're people who've been set free and instead of having a desire to go back to our sinful nature we ought to have a desire to walk in obedience to our savior jesus christ who has set us free from sin's entanglements. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so now, yeah, we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're slaves to righteousness. And we're slaves to righteousness so that we may do what is right and what is honorable before God and what might make, make much of his sacrifice for us. Amen? All right. So let me close like this. Um. You know, as believers, it's oftentimes it's easy for us to, uh, to walk in God's grace and forget that we're also to walk in his obedience, walk in obedience to what he said. Yeah, it's easy for us to give our, a pass on our sin because we're, we're so used to God's grace that we don't think about it anymore. But listen, the, the Bible has a lot to say about sin. It has a lot to say about your sin and my sin, even as we're believers. And we are supposed to struggle with it, you know? We're supposed to struggle with We're supposed to go to God and to say, Lord, I, I recognize the selfishness in me, and I know that's not right. I, I, I recognize lust, or I recognize um, uh, greed, or I recognize, uh, um, um, you know, whatever, you know, enlarge the list. I recognize this in me, and I know it's not pleasing to you, and I don't want to walk under that anymore because I was a slave to that before, but you've set me free. So Lord God, would you continue your work in me? Would you continue to make me more righteous and holy before you? Listen, you and I are supposed to struggle with our sin. We're supposed to bring it before God. And what I mean is, I'm not trying to say that you and I are just supposed to discipline ourselves out of sin. That's not the way it works. It is always going to be by the power of God that you and I overcome sin in our lives. And we're always going to be pointing back to Jesus Christ to say, he is the reason that I'm righteous, not because of my own discipline, not because of the things I've done, but because of what he did on my behalf, that I can walk in any righteousness before God. True? True. All right. Would you pray with me? And, uh, and I'm going to give you just a little bit of time to contemplate the message here before we go. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we want to come to you today. And we, Lord, we, want to, uh, we just want to confess together. Lord, it is so easy for us sometimes to get caught up in we recognize the sin of everybody around us, but we don't recognize the sin uh, that we have in ourselves. Father, we know that's not the, the way that you, you desire us to walk with you. 
you desire for us to walk in greater and greater obedience, and, and you've made a way for us to walk in greater and greater righteousness and holiness before you. Not that we could ever attain it to be perfect. We'll never be in this life. We'll never be like Jesus. Uh, but Lord, as we grow, as we walk with you, and as we find sin absolutely intolerable in our lives, because we know the price that's been paid for it, Lord God, I pray that you would work and move and that you would bring holiness and righteousness in our lives instead of the, 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 the chains of sin, Lord, that we all still carry around. Uh, so, Father, help us to take our own sin very seriously. Help us to struggle and, and to repent of it, not to accept it in our lives and just think, oh, well, that's just the way I am. Lord, that's not honorable to you. That's not pleasing to you. And that's not looking at Christ's sacrifice and realizing what he did. But, Father, I thank you. You've condemned sin once and for all, and you've set us free from condemnation, all of us who are in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you. We want to take now just a few minutes, Lord, just some time to reflect. just want to ask you if, if there is sin in your life that you've just been giving yourself a pass on. I just want to ask that you just come to God this morning and just tell him that you know that's not, that's not pleasing to him, that in, in your relationship with him, that you know that that, that, that is, is interruptive or hindering of your relationship with him and that you would like his help or ask for his help uh, to get rid of that in your life. If you're in another spot in your life where you don't see any of your own sin, um, you're walking in dangerous territory. Part of walking with the Lord Jesus Christ is seeing his holiness and recognizing that, that we're still a long ways away from achieving it. And we need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to come in and to do his work to reveal sin, to convict us of sin, and to carry out greater sanctification and righteousness. And if that's where you are today, that you don't see any sin in your own life, pray for the Lord's help. Pray for him to open your eyes to yourself, the hidden nature, the, the disguised sin that you have in your heart, because we all do, and ask for his help in dealing with that. Into my eyes, could I behold you? What do I know of you who spoke me into motion? Where have I even stood but the soil along your ocean? Are you fire? Are you fury? Are you sacred? Are you beautiful? So what do I know? There's a sin in your life, if there's a temptation in your life that you've just been carrying along behind you, I just want to ask that today uh, be the day that you leave it behind. You just leave it at the altar of God and say, Lord, I don't want to carry that any longer. I don't want to allow myself to be tempted by that anymore. I, I don't want to play with that idea in my mind, uh, and I want to leave it here uh, with you, Lord, because, uh, because we, we were slaves to that before. We don't want to be slaves to that anymore. Uh, that was death to you before. Uh, and that brought the death of Jesus Christ. And I pray for you this morning that you'd be able to leave that behind uh, and be able to seek after God and his righteousness instead. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that we're, we've been set free from sin, that we're not any longer under condemnation, but you, uh, by your great power and your great grace, you took sin and you condemned it instead. You condemned your son uh, instead of us, and you've set us free from sin. You've broken the, the, the chains of slavery that sin and death had over us, and you overcame 
uh, the power that it overcame us by your spirit and by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And Father, we just want to rejoice in you this morning. We just rejoice in all that you've done. And Lord God, I pray that this week we would be walking around as, as people who've been set free, people who are no longer slaves, but we've been emancipated. We've been set free. We've been proclaimed not innocent and, uh, and set free from our own guilt and our own shame. Father, I pray that the way that we live, the way that we act, the way that we treat other people, the light that we have in our eyes because of what you've done in our lives, Lord God, would just, uh, would just catch the notice of people around us, Lord God, that they might see and that they might desire release from their own sin, from their shame and their guilt. And Lord, we pray in it all that you'd be glorified and honored. It's in Jesus' great name we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Y'all have a great week. Thanks for being here.